Welcome back to the second episode of the Ride the Bench podcast. I'm your host, Briggs, as usual. I'm joined again by Gabe. We got a great show planned for you guys. We got NBA playoff talk, a little football talk, some NFL schedule leaks came out that we're going to talk about, and uh, we're going to get into some NHL playoffs. So we got a really good a really good show for you guys. And uh, let's start off in the NBA playoffs. We're recording this Monday night at 11 p.m. So the Celtics-Bucks game just ended. And uh, Al Horford might be the greatest player of all time. That's pretty ridiculous. But, um, yeah, looking at the box score and the game overall, uh, Al Horford put up 30 points. Um, and I think what set them apart besides Al Horford, you know, popping off, was just uh, the Celtics overall shooting. They shot 50% from the field for the game. And, uh, you know, with the superstar talent uh, with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown leading the way and then getting some backup support. Um, the Celtics only played uh, eight guys. So at Tatum, Horford, and Smart all had 40. They played 40 minutes. So those guys are dog tired. So they really grinded it out. But they came out with the W. And, again, what also really set them apart, and I, we talked about it last episode, was no Chris Middleton, and it showed because the Bucks bench uh, could not, um, you know, provide some sort of support uh, for the lack of their uh, all-star, and it really showed uh, no one off the bench was in double figures except Pat Connaughton with 11, and uh, even the starters, like, obviously Giannis has got to carry and put up almost 40 points a game, um, but the starters, um, Drew Holiday, you know, shot five for 22 from the field. And it's what it boils down to, you know, depth is a huge issue. Um, and the Bucks are always considered a pretty deep team, but it didn't show tonight. And um, Celtics really balled out. But like you started off, Al Horford coming uh, out of this game with just firing on all cylinders really set them apart. He, I don't, this literally came out of nowhere because he's, Al Horford is, an average player, average player, but he just couldn't miss tonight. He couldn't miss. He had probably the best performance of his career. I think it's pretty easily the best performance of his career. Pretty much, not single-handedly, but he led them to this win. And playoff Al Horford, actually, it might not even be playoff Al Horford. It might be game four Al Horford. Might be the greatest player of all time. Very well might be. We're going to remember this. We will. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, that was that was a super super fun game to watch, and something I didn't realize was the Bucks and Celtics. They've played in the playoffs three out of the last four years, so people were talking about like this could be like the next great rivalry in um, basketball. And you know, both Eastern Conference teams, both like pretty um, top of the conference teams. You know, they both have superstars, Tatum, Giannis. They're both gonna be there. As long as those two superstars are there, they're going to be at the top of the conference and in the playoff run. And I think this very well could be the next great series in the NBA, Bucks celtics Yeah, for sure. Um, and the East is pretty competitive as it is. And I think these are probably the top two, along with the Miami Heat, the throw it in their top three teams. And mm -hmm. um, like you said, yeah, it's going to be a great rivalry. And Al Horford's definitely reviving himself because, you know, once he left Boston the first time, you know, everyone's calling him washed and whatnot and uh, going to the Sixers. Oh, oh, he he is washed. Don't 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 get me wrong. He is washed and he is absolute. Well, I'm not I was going to say absolute garbage. 
He's not absolute garbage. As you can saw tonight, I mean, as you <laughs> saw tonight, he's not garbage. Could could just However, be a, a game four thing, you know, but game four Al Horford, we now know is in the GOAT conversation, right? We know he is, but the Al Horford of the past three years yeah. does not even belong in the league. So I don't know what he took today. I don't know what Al Horford ate today, but right. he needs to do that same thing again for game Keep five. it up. Keep but it up, I, Al Horford. I can literally guarantee you he does not even get over 20 points. Like, mm-hmm. I, that's just not going to happen. Like, this is a one-game thing. Look. I know Celtics fans are going to be like, oh, Al Horford did it once. He's going he's gonna to lead them for the rest of the playoffs. He's going to keep his lockdown defense going. He's going to do – no, no. Time – is going to catch up to him, and he's washed. Well, kept it. it, it uh, except tonight. Except tonight. He's washed, except tonight. He made it a good series. Series tied 2-2. I still have Celtics coming out of this one, uh, especially with this Same. huge win. Um, it was, you know, a narrow victory, only eight-point win, but uh, huge with uh, the way Giannis is playing and huge to get a win without Chris Milton playing. So They were down for almost the whole game, and – they just came alive in the fourth. I think they scored like 40-plus points in the fourth. Mm-hmm. They came alive when it mattered. And um, I still think the Celtics going to win the NBA championship. And uh, I stick by that after today. Game five, Al Horford show up. Uh, he's he's not going to. This is a one-game thing. We'll see. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's get to the other series tonight, Warriors-Grizzlies. It's happening right now, but no John Morant. He's hurt. He was – He's bitching all over Twitter about like people going for his knees and stuff. He's that I don't know if you saw that, but he was like, um, I think it was Jordan Poole. Like Jordan Poole broke the code. Yeah, he, like swiped at his knee or whatever. I was like, and no, a, uh, no consequence. Yeah, nothing. it was, it was, it was just a basketball play. Like I don't know why he's talking about breaking the code. Like that was just that was honestly just ridiculous to me. And he's just trying mm-hmm. to like start something. That's like not even like a thing, and right. I really don't think that. Um, I really don't think that that was a dirty play at all, and I think John Morant just loves being in the headlines. So it's like, oh, if if I tweet this, if I tweet this, then I'm gonna be in headlines. I'm gonna be in the news. Everyone's gonna be talking about me, even though I'm out. Like, dude, like. It's the NBA's a media-driven game. Currently, it's a pop star game. It's a Hollywood game. So, especially yeah. with the young bucks that are grew up with technology, us included. But you know, everything's out there, and uh, to keep your name out there is to keep your cloud up and to keep your followers and your likes mm-hmm. up. So it's just a support thing and just to run up his numbers. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I agree with you. Yeah, well, you're seeing his like dad in the news. His dad loves being in headlines. Loves yeah, it. Yeah, his dad like, is almost oh, sure lookalikes. Scene. Yeah, it's like, it's kind of ridiculous. Don't get me wrong. I really like John Morant. I actually built the John Morant bandwagon, by the way, but that's a whole nother story. I actually, when he was at Murray State, his sophomore year, because he stayed at college for two years, his sophomore year at Murray State, I bought ESPN Plus just to watch this guy before the season started because I watched one YouTube highlight video from his freshman year. And then the person who made that video said he was going to be a first round pick in the NBA draft. I looked at him. I liked him. I started watching. Yeah. I don't know why I was, I was such a John Morant fanboy. I, I literally built his bandwagon. You can ask any of my really close friends. They know that I built a John Morant bandwagon. 
But Jamre, I do not condone you trying to stay in the headlines like this. It is not a good look for you. I'm not going to give you credit for making the job rent bandwagon, but I will I did. say I did. I, I, I literally built it from scratch. I assembled the parts myself. I built that bandwagon. I, I, I created the John Moran bandwagon when he was at Murray state. His Folks, sophomore he said year. it, he said it. So it must be true. Regardless, uh, the Grizzlies are currently up at halftime without John Morant, this, uh, your bandwagon guy. Um, I think this is miraculous, uh, mm-hmm. just cause like golden state was, uh, coming into this game heavy favorites because you got your superstar and the superstar of the league out um and now it's a the grizzlies are balling out as a team um ties jones is leading the way um with 10 points and uh the warriors do not look good they're shooting uh barely 33 from the field and 10 percent from three uh curry and clay the shooters are not out tonight no one's doing well. Curry's one for six from three, um, and he's leading the way for the Warriors. But little scary, little scary that this uh, veteran team. It's only halftime, though. It's only halftime, though. Right, but they are not performing well in one half of play. What can we say about another half? Hopefully they come out of the locker room shooting because um, uh, I, I love the Grizzlies and all, but I think the Warriors are favorites and uh, my favorite to win the series, but uh, especially with John Morant's injury questionable yeah well you know we know the grizzlies did good in the regular they did really really good actually in the regular season without jaw i thought it was just a fluke and you know they're either the warriors are really cold right now and the grizzlies are playing good defense it's a combination of both but um you know the warriors came into this game they, they're probably thinking they were 10 point favorites they it, it wasn't a lock that they were going to win but it was like it was very, very likely that they were going to win. No John Morant. And I th- I think they're at home, right? Yeah. They, they, yeah, it's in are, Golden State too, yeah. which is and, – And they have 38 points at half. Like, that is just absolutely insane. But honestly, I expect them to bounce back and honestly win yeah. this game because, you know, the Grizzlies scored 41 without Ja. Like, their offense without Ja is just not it. And I think the Warriors will bounce back in the second half, though. Yeah, this Grizzlies team, uh, just thinking about it, it's what really gets me is how they're keeping it close with such a veteran team is that they are extremely young and no experience in the playoffs, whatever. Like uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., Dylan Brooks, John Morant when he's on the floor, um, Tyus Jones, Desmond Bain. These guys are so young Mm -hmm. and they're performing at this level with no experience uh, playing out of uh, the grind city in Memphis. But uh it's just like you come into these playoffs and you're you kind of put experienced teams and experienced players and older guys, you know, their teams ranked first because they have the leadership, they have the experience and they have the, they have the experience in the playoffs and know the atmosphere and don't crack under pressure. These guys are playing like it and they're, I, I hope they make it a series. So it's a fun series and we could see John Morant come out there and uh, make it an even better series. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if Jaw is coming back though. Um, oh, I don't. I, I, don't, I, don't I don't think so. Yeah, I. Um, I just. I think this series will continue to be close, but the Warriors will win if Jaw doesn't come back. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty much my thoughts on that series. You know, you, you can't really talk about the series till this, like you know, till Game Four is over, yeah. but. 
I, something I thought was kind of nuts is that every single one of these series is 2-2, two, 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 except um, the Grizzlies game. Sorry, I'm looking at, at the score right now. But um, so if the Grizzlies win, it'll be 2-2. Two, two, and two, every two. single every single series that's going on right now will be 2-2. Two, two. It's an exciting playoffs, folks. Yeah. I'm really liking this. Usually, I don't know. I haven't been so entertained by the NBA because, like I said earlier, it's like a pop star Hollywood league, which – um, I it just watching it back in the uh, not back in the day, but just like it's just changed so much media driven mm-hmm. and um, it's players are getting bailed out by fouls and just it's now a three point trigger happy game. I forget who was talking about it, but the game is just like literally become like behind the line, like people are just pulling up from half court and you got the yeah. Trey Youngs and the Steph Court, Steph Curry lookalikes and uh, wannabes just pulling from half. And I, I missed the grind down low, the bigs. That's what I was saying last episode. Go check it out. Like Embiid, Jokic just won MVP. A center won MVP two years in a row, and it was both him. Um, they're coming back, folks. So uh, you can see in this playoffs, this is a great playoffs, and I'm loving every single series so far. It's very entertaining. Oh, yeah, we can touch on that, the Jokic MVP. Um, I'm pretty sure that was announced today or yeah. was it yesterday. Yeah, it, it was yeah. announced today. Well, my favorite part of the whole thing was um, the Jokic brothers Twitter. He, yeah. They, yeah, the Jokic brothers Twitter basically um, they congratulated their brother, of course, on the MVP, and then called out Markeith Morris by uh, adding him in a tweet. And they said like, um, like, like your crybaby, you'll you'll never get that. And then they tweeted something else about how like uh, about how Jokic has an MVP. And then Marquis Morris has a Mickey Mouse ring. Yeah, and he, that was so funny. You know, have MVP something like that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that was that was so funny to me. But um, that, that beef is hilarious because those guys aren't even in the NBA, and they're coming at this other NBA player. And the Mark, uh, the Morris brothers are pretty gritty, and you know, don't take anything. So it's pretty funny. No, but the Jokic brothers, dude, they're they're just like they're just just these big. Yeah, they're brutes. I, are they no? They're not Russian. They're Serbian, right? They're so, these brothers uh, are just sure. these. <laughs> I I, I want to say they're Serbian, but like you know, these brothers are just these big Serbian dudes. They're big guys. I I remember yeah. watching them in that game when they were like yelling out on the court at like Markeith Morris. That was so awesome. But um, yeah, yeah. I think him and Joel Embiid. Like I I thought that that MVP race was so close, and it would not surprise yeah. me at all if Embiid did win it. And I thought, yeah. to me, it was 50-50 who's going to win it. I think both definitely de- definitely deserved it. I would have thought that they would have um, gave the edge to Embiid since uh, Jokic won it last year. But, you know, no Jamal Murray this entire year for Jokic, and he carried them to – I'm pretty sure they were the fifth seed, which was wild. But, um, right, yeah, he just carried them all season, so definitely well-deserved for uh, – uh, Jokic there. Yeah, I think it definitely went down to Embiid and Jokic, and I think both well-deserved. So either way, I feel like you can't go wrong. I I personally think Embiid should have got it. Uh, he put up uh, more points per game, and uh, I think Philly was a higher seed uh, regardless going into the playoffs. But yeah, he had the better defense. Um, but Jokic is a better playmaker, better passer, and uh, probably... I don't want to say better overall player, but toss up Jokic back to back MVP. You can't go wrong. 
I think I think the Sixers have the better supporting cast around uh, Embiid. So if if you made them switch places, if you put Jokic on the Sixers and Embiid on the Nuggets, I think the Sixers would be so much better off. I think yeah. Jokic with like all those players around him would absolutely ball out. The Nuggets, they just gotta they gotta get healthy. You know, they need Michael Porter Jr. They need um, Jamal Murray, and if they get yeah. those guys healthy next year. I think Jamal Murray was like close to being ready. He was cleared by the doctors and it was just up to him when, whenever he was ready. Right. And like, you know, I can relate to that. I got a torn ACL not to like, you know, like, like compare it because it's two totally different things, but like, it's a huge mental thing. And I totally understand that. I'll be the first one to, you know, understand that. But um, to be an, NBA player, like a professional basketball player, like you need to trust your body. And he just wasn't ready to go, which is wild. And, you know, like a guy like a Jonathan Isaac, he tore his ACL in the bubble, like in 2020. And Mm -hmm. he's not even like back yet, which you can't rush that stuff. Yeah. That's almost two years though, which is like, there's like rushing it. And then there's like prolonging it. Yeah. There's, there's rushing it. And then like, if you're not like not to call not to call out Jonathan Isaac, but if you're not ready by now, then I think that like will you ever be ready? Like, is yeah. it a mental thing? You know. Anyway, yeah. Regardless, once the Nuggets get healthy, I think the Nuggets can be a serious championship contender next year with now the two-time yeah. reigning MVP. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think um I think they also announced the coach of the year today. I think it was Monty Williams of the Suns, which I thought was honestly a I don't know if I love that. Cause um he won it last year, I'm pretty sure. And um the Suns had the same team, like they were supposed to be good. And I don't know if he had like a super great coaching like year i think that's surprising to be honest with you yeah i i don't um i'm not sure if i really agree with that i don't know did they announce it i i they really i i really it should have been uh the grizzlies i really think the grizzlies head coach should have gotten it i'm not i'm blanking on his name right now but yeah i think that's surprising i i would have picked um uh i think his name is e Udoka from the Celtics. I think the Celtics head coach, I think he did like, I think he did a really, really good job. Obviously the Celtics start out slow. They were not very, they were not doing very good. It was his first year as a head coach. And then as he learned and grew as a coach, the team just got better and better and better. And they really hit their stride in the playoffs. So I think that just shows the coaching job that he did starting off as a new coach, beginning of the year, adversity hits. And they come back, and then they're one of the top seeds in the Eastern Conference and another championship contender. So I think that he definitely, in my opinion, should have won it, in my opinion. But, you know, Monty Williams still a good coach. But uh, I think the Suns yeah, – Unfortunately – People thought the Suns were going to do that. We don't get a vote, but uh, congrats to Monty Williams, uh, yeah. I guess. Good luck, Suns. Yeah. I, I'm, like, 99% sure that – he is the coach of the year. I saw De- Devin Booker tweet it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But but he but he also said credit um cr- credit book. So I hope he didn't make that up. 
Speaking of the Suns, how about those Mavs? Mavs in seven, you heard it last episode, me say it. Uh, Luke absolutely popped off, and uh, Devin Booker had no help that game, and Chris Paul playing in Dallas. Um, I don't even think Chris Paul had, like, five points. Um, I think he was frazzled by the fans and all the controversy with um, the fans, you know, um, touching his family yeah. and getting in interactions. And then he even sounded off on Twitter saying you could find players for to, talking to the fans, but they – you know, speak so bad towards their family members, which is a serious issue, which I totally agree with. Um, that fan definitely or fans responsible should be, you know, reprimanded. But uh, regardless with the game, um, Dory Finney-Smith absolutely popped off and helped Luca out. Um, and, of course, Jalen Brunson, I, he's so underrated in these playoffs. Oh, my God, he's going absolutely insane uh, to back up when Luca was down. And uh problem was with the Suns, like almost with the Bucks, just no bench help and no support for Booker. And when Chris Ball isn't on, like like we said, when they're both on, they're unstoppable. And then the supporting cast rolls out. But uh they didn't get either of those uh last night in Dallas. And uh then Luca comes and steamrolls them down with uh Dwayne Finnis Smith and uh Jalen Brunson and even Maxi Kleiber, too. They all uh helped out. Yeah, I think that. You know, Chris Paul was in foul trouble the whole game. I think he got kind of screwed by the refs. Um, not saying the NBA is rigged, but I'm not saying it's not rigged. You know, I think that this – I think I can NBA, get behind that. Don't worry. Yeah, I think the NBA, honestly, I think they just wanted this to be 2-2. Mm -hmm. And, well – Keep Luka in the playoffs. That's, yeah. That's what I'm it not, is. I'm not going to speculate, but some of those fouls were pretty suspect. But, like, mm -hmm. honestly, like – if you're Chris Paul and your family members are like getting, I don't, I'm not gonna say they were assaulted, but they're getting like in like physical altercations with other fans. Like I'd be concerned and my, my mind wouldn't be fully on the game. So yeah. I totally get where Chris is coming from, which I thought was like, so like, I, I found it so, so relatable that he was not playing good. I was in foul trouble when you can like see your family on like the side of the, on the side of the floor and you're just like worried about them. Like, is something going to happen to them? Are they okay? So I felt bad for Chris Paul, but uh, you know, if you're not fully into the game, like you're just yeah. not going to win in this league against a talented Mavericks team in the Western conference semis, you know? So. Yeah. He was definitely not in it. I saw uh, footage from the game of him getting into it with like a young Dallas fan that was like, just kind of walking by. I'm, I'm, sure he had said something to chris paul but like he's they're getting in his head and he's getting rattled so uh it doesn't show up on the floor doesn't show up in the game and uh that's how it's uh two two now so i another great series that's going to be a great one going forward yeah and um Hon yeah honestly that that kid in that video with like the earrings and all that like he honestly he kind of looked he kind of looked like a douche i'm gonna say it. he he looked like a douche and he just he looked like I'm sure he said something. Yeah. He looked like he was not ready for the backlash that he was going to get. And he's honestly lucky that nothing else happened to him. Yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 Anyway, let's get to the um, next segment. We went through all of the conference semi series. So now we're going to get into um, our top five. Well, our starting five of current players. So if you were going to create an NBA starting five of current players, who would you pick? Steph Curry, point guard, 
Um, center, I'm going to have to go with Jokic, the MVP. I'm, a, I'm just going to go around. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Giannis at the four, he's absolutely insane. Uh, just super freak athletic. And uh, just with Jokic, he can dish it to him down low and find him, get him open. And, uh, yeah, that's all I have to say. It's freaking Giannis. Uh, at small forward, KD, even though I absolutely hate him, he's still a generational and uh, generational talent and a freak of nature, and he can shoot from anywhere on the court and post you up down low, and he's super lengthy. And at the two, I kind of want, like, a defensive-minded guard um, because those guys aren't really uh, – they're pretty good on defense. For some reason, I want to say Jimmy Butler right now, but uh, – I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Jimmy Butler because I also just watched the 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 Sixers game and he put up a 40 piece and he's just the the grinder and I love his defensive game and he can he can pop it you know anywhere on the court mm-hmm. and uh, just go into the basket he's a original OG type of player he doesn't really you know depend on fouls he'll get him because he's gritty and he goes to the basket and I love his mentality and I love his game. Give me Jimmy at the tube. That no, I'm gonna get a lot of hate for that. But yeah, I like that list. So just to round it out, you got Curry, Curry at the one. You got Jimmy buckets at the two. Katie at the three. Giannis at the four. Jokic at the five. Right. Sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. All right. Now, from my list, I'll go top to bottom. Point guard, Steph Curry. Shooting guard, Bradley Beal. Small forward. LeBron, I know LeBron's old, but I still think around still a good LeBron. team and he's locked in, he's still LeBron. Yeah, I he would make my starting five right now. At the four, I also have Giannis, and at the five, this might be a shocking pick to some, but uh, I have game four playoff Al, Al Horford. I uh, get that, get out of here. <laughs> you're trolling, bro. No, you're not, you're not no. playing him. Yeah, game four playoff Al Horford would make my uh, current NBA starting five. Folks, it's recency bias. I'm I'm calling it right now because oh, there's no way. Not like not like this whole year Al Horford, just like that one game. Uh, okay, Al yeah. Horford. All right, then that's fine. Yeah, sure. Yeah, Throw yeah. him on there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Might, might be better than my list. I don't, I don't know. I like the Bradley Beal pick. He's underrated in my opinion. Yeah, well, you know, if he's on – if he's on a team with talent around him, then he can absolutely ball out. But he's never had that in his whole career, except for John Wall, who, you know, he's not. He had a good. short-lived prime, quote-unquote, like, you know, yeah. injuries and just, um, yeah, pretty much injuries for him. Um, yeah. I also do like the LeBron pick. I was considering him versus KD, but I think just with how – Everything was dealt this year with the Lakers, and the GM really couldn't pull it off to force his way into the playoffs. Um, and it's a shame Russell Westbrook has become so crappy. And, you know, it, like years ago, like he was the best point guard lead, put it up triple doubles, averaging triple doubles, MVP. And now he just looks like an absolute scrub that should be in the G League. So, it's a shame that players are getting driven off and falling off and again, media driven. So everyone's given Russ hate. So it gets into his head and then the Lakers crumble and Andy Davis can't even stand the floor. And old man LeBron is just left to 
put the team on his back and his back's hurting every game. So yeah. It's a shame. Yeah. But not it's to, also LeBron. So not to slander Russell Westbrook, but I think well, obviously he's way past his prime. And he he's one of those guys who you need to build the team around him. You can't have him be a piece to build around another player. So the Lakers want to build around LeBron James. You don't build around LeBron James with Russell Westbrook. You mm-hmm. bring people in to build around Russell Westbrook. And um, he's just not a winner, honestly. He's just his like style of play is just it's so it's so it's so uh what's the word erratic. It's just I think that um I don't think he's ever gonna win anything, honestly. No, well, I know it's kind of easy to say that because he's towards the towards the end of his career, but he just plays sloppy nowadays. Like yeah, I don't know. He's, I guess being surrounded by two superstars really gets to your head because it was just him in OKC pretty much because KD was popping off and then just dipped. So yeah. then it was just the Westbrook show, and um, he can't shoot the ball for anything. Like yeah. he just doesn't do anything. Like, I yeah. don't know. It's atrocious. It was atrocious watching the Lakers play this year, mm-hmm. but thank God they're not in in the playoffs. So yeah, I think he would also just like in his younger years just rely on his athleticism, and now that that's kind of deteriorating, now he has to rely on like his actual basketball skill, which obviously he has a lot of, but I just don't think he can play the way that he does relying so much on his athleticism and getting to the rim and stuff like that. Yeah. And as time goes on, teams adapt to their style of play. And uh, if you can't shoot the three mm -hmm. uh, from 30 feet behind the arc, then you're kind of screwed. Yeah. If this was, you know, 40 years ago and Russ Westbrook was playing, then he would, he would, Lakers would be favorites. He'd probably be like up there with game four Al Horford in the goal conversation. Yeah, something like that, but never touch Al Horford. Maybe compare him, but yeah. Anyway, that's enough basketball for tonight. Um, Now let's get into a little NFL. I saw something really interesting. Really interesting on Twitter. Apparently, a little piece of the NFL schedule was leaked. There's a rumor going around. That Sunday night football week one is going to be the Jets versus the Patriots. Week one. Oh Sunday my football. God. You guys hear that? The most two wanted teams for prime time. Listen to that leak. Oh my gosh. That is exciting. I can't wait. No, it should be a good game. Uh, I like the Jets' uh, young stars and uh, the Patriots. Um, the Patriots is a good rivalry, good divisional rivalry. Um, I, I don't think it's like booming news. I would have preferred like Chiefs, uh, Bills, but you can't always get what you want. But uh, you're definitely excited. Yeah, I. they haven't had a Sunday night football game since I think it was 2011, which is kind of insane. Well, but how they, could you blame the schedule makers? Yeah, no, they, they've been absolutely um, garbage this entire decade. So I don't blame them. I don't blame them at all, but it would not surprise me at all if they did put them in that mm-hmm. position. This is just a rumor. This is just a rumor that I saw on Twitter. But the the Jets' young core is really exciting. They have playmakers all over, and they're one of those teams that's you know they're not the boring old Jets that like have very little talent and are not fun to watch. These guys are going to be fun to watch, and. I think 
um, whether they're successful or not this year is up to Zach Wilson. He has all the pieces now. He has a really good, well, he has a really good offensive coordinator who mm-hmm. showed it in spurts last year and got better as the year went on. So I expect him to be really good this year. They got he's got weapons all over. They invest in the offensive line, receivers, tight end, running back. It's all there for him in an offensive friendly system. So yeah, it well obviously I'm a Jets fan, and I'm going in hopeful. And uh, yeah, I just but it would I would absolutely hate it. Week one Sunday Night Football, uh, I I'd get so amped, and then if the Jets put up like just like an absolute garbage game against the Pats and the Pats blow them out. I'd be so mad. Right. But this brought me, I was, uh, before you moved on that, do you think Zach Wilson has enough protection so he can play make and give it to these weapons? Because, you know, obviously I'm a huge fan of their Tucker. Uh, Is Makai Becton going to be a jet while, when the season starts? Cause there was so much rumors about him going, uh, I guess that was pre-draft rumors, but is he going to be yeah. there? And if so, who else do you guys have um, to protect this young guy? Because we've seen Joe Burrow do what he can do. Obviously, Joe Burrow is a lot better than Zach Wilson. But, you know, a second-year QB, young QB um, with an eh O-line, bring his team to the Super Bowl with a young wide receiver like Garrett Wilson, you know, like there's I a lot of similarities. That- I wouldn't say the Jets have an NLI. I think they have literally like one of the best in the league. They got Makai Becton, who's going to be healthy. George Fant had a really good year at left tackle in place of Makai Becton. They're going to have a, a, a training camp battle for who gets that left tackle spot. Obviously, you got Vera Tucker at left guard, who's a stud. And then at right guard, they just signed Lakin Tomlinson from the 49ers. And he was a pro bowler last year. He's a perennial pro Pro, pro bowler he's at, he's had like 80 starts in a row or something ridiculous like that he stayed on the field he's he's a dog absolute dog and he played the same system that he did in san francisco he's going to be doing that same system for the jets because um their offensive coordinators run similar uh schemes so i really think that um their offensive line is really really good the the center is questionable but it's not the most important spot on the line. It's yeah. but you can they have, have a couple really good tackles and really good guards. So I think that they definitely have the protection to actually do something this year. I think offensively that's what'll put you guys ahead. And I hope for the best. And then in terms of defense, you know, in a tough offensive division with the Bills and Josh Allen and now the Dolphins and Tyreek Hill and um the Pats are just, you know, the Pats. They're not too strong offensively, but, you know, in a tough division like that, I, I don't know how the rest of your schedule is going to work out, but I'm afraid that defense is going to, you know, not really hold up the offensive uh, performance, you know, to win games. That's what you got to do because defense wins championships. Yeah, I think they have playmakers, though. You know, you got the newly drafted Sauce Gardner. They signed DJ Reed, Jordan Whitehead. They They have a pretty good secondary. And their front seven, you know, they drafted Jermaine Johnson, a really highly touted um, prospect in this draft, at, and they got him at like twenty six. And he and a lot of people had him as a top ten talent. And then you know you still have Quinn and Williams, C.J. Mosley. He's on the decline, but he's still a really good leader for that defense. And you got Quincy Williams too, actually the younger brother, the younger brother of Quinnen, 
who's oh, wow. still a really good yeah he's um he's a young guy but he's he has a lot of talent yeah. carl lawson is coming back that's something not enough people are talking about he tore his achilles in training camp mm-hmm. and he's gonna be back this year healthy and i think he's I think he's got like a chance to have an all pro caliber season. Like, so I you really got a good it. mix of young bucks, uh, veterans. I like that. Exactly. So, yeah. Definitely sounds promising. And uh, in other New York news, uh, James Bradbury released by the Giants. You know, you guys could help out your secondary. I personally didn't think Bradbury was that awful. He did have a pretty meh year this year, but he was a Pro Bowler and probably a top three corner in the league. Um, so he's on the market for teams looking for a secondary option. And he like seeing him off the roster and looking at the Giants depth chart really scares me because our CB one is a Dory Jackson. And that kind of scares me. And mm-hmm. our CB two is Aaron Robinson, which again, who who is that? And the CB three is Cordell Flott, who we just drafted. So we're kind of screwed in our secondary. And in terms of safety, it's Xavier McKinney, who I'm a huge fan of. And a uh, pro bowler, or actually, no, he got snubbed with the pro bowl, but he should have made it. And Julian Love, who I absolutely hate. So, um, sounds like the Jets yeah. are doing good with their building <laughs> process. Giants are still trying to figure it out. We'll see what the season holds for uh, New York sport, uh, New York football. Yeah. Um, speaking of the Jets and Zach Wilson, for this next segment, what I wanted to do was I wanted to rank the top five second year quarterbacks going into this year. Cause I've seen a lot of people talking about them, you know, they want to see the next step in their development and they want these guys to be the next superstars of the league. So mm-hmm. we're going to rank them based off of um, our opinion on them. So, you know, this is the Trevor Lawrence class, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields. This is that class. So, how would you rank them one through five? Um, so Trevor Lawrence, we got Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson. Yeah. Say the names against Mac Jones and Trey Lance. Those were the big four. And yeah. then who else was there? Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, um, Trey Lance, and Justin Fields. So rank out of those five. So um, rank those five quarterbacks one through five. Going into next season, I still think skill-wise. Out of those five, I'm going to put Trevor one. I know he's on the Jags, and they somehow – they somewhat beefed their team up. It was kind of like a weird free agency. It was like the a backwards free agency, like Kirk and Evan Ingram and Zay Jones aren't really weapons, but I guess it's better than what they had, plus LaVisca, Chenault, and their solid running backs. I still think Trevor, skill-wise, is number one. And that's also because I'm not really high on the other ones. Um, I think I'm going to have to put Zach Wilson at two because I see the potential and I saw the potential coming into uh, the draft. And I had him at that one and two spot um, because I do put him a, a, a above the other three. Um, and like we talked about, like he's I, I think he's going to pop off this year with now that he has weapons and a, a better protection. At three, I'm going to put Justin Fields because I think he's in uh, a better situation. Uh, I guess not better situation, but I think skill-wise, again, like I'm going back to like how I saw them pre-draft last year, and I still think it's going to correlate because one-year play isn't really everything, even though Mac Jones, uh, who I'm putting at my four, um, outperformed those. 
I don't think the skill is really there. I think he got bailed out a lot by his defense and he's just slow and just lacks the arm strength. In my opinion, he's very accurate but that doesn't put him above the other three, in my opinion. So I'm going to put him at four. And then Trey Lance, I haven't seen anything. And I think uh, he's not even going to start this year because the reports going into these camps is that he's underwhelming and and therefore overwhelming to even start him. Um, so I'm going to put him at five. And I just don't think even going into that draft, he should have been considered in that top five. But, you know, teams took a chance on him. Um, and San Francisco, San Francisco took a gamble with him. And his really only thing that sets him apart from the other four is his mobility, which can only get you so far in the game if you can't sling the rock. So Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, and Trey Lance. Solid, solid. Um, I'm going to start at five. My, well... At five, I have Justin Fields. He was not put in the best position this year with just a garbage coach, really bad players around him, and um, just not the best situation. But he, he has some talent. I think he can pull together. I just I just don't think he's all that. At four, I have Trey Lance. You see, he had all the pieces around him to be good. And I know he was a rookie. It was his first couple starts. But when, when he was in there, I was just not impressed at all. I didn't really see much from him. So I didn't really love him. And then Mac Jones, I have at three. And I think that Mac Jones, honestly, he wasn't really asked to do much. He was asked to throw three-yard checkdowns the entire season. And they didn't really, like, um, let the playbook loose for him. And I think that um, that shows that they don't really have a ton of trust in him. And I just like, I just don't think he's really that talented. I think he's, he plays mistake-free football, but he doesn't really like wow me at all. So I have him at three. At two, I have Trevor Lawrence. And I know he didn't have the best players around him, not the best coach, not the best situation, horrible team, but he just, he didn't really do much the entire season. Like he did not accept their picks. Yeah, he did not impress me at all. Like honestly, none of these guys did. Yeah. And I have at number one, I have Zach Wilson, but he started off the year really rough. Like he was, you know, he was not great. He showed he showed flashes. Like in the Tennessee game, he threw some bombs and just some sick throws that made you think, wow, this guy could do it. This guy could be great. But then his last couple of weeks, I think he fit. Well, he got hurt in the middle of the year. He comes back. I think he threw one pick the rest of the year. And the last five weeks, he didn't throw a pick. So I think that shows his evolution. And he also, he had garbage, garbage, garbage receivers the, the, the last couple of weeks. There was no Elijah Moore. There was no Corey Davis. He just, he had no one to throw to. And he was still playing mistake-free football. And he, he was keeping them in those games. And, uh, yeah, you could definitely see the development of him and th- the confidence growing. And, uh, yeah, I just – I think even though I'm biased, I think really highly of Zach Wilson. No, it's not a bad pick at all. And, again, uh, I like what sets him apart from Trevor Lawrence uh, between the one and two spot is he's quick and he's fast and he's elusive. Um, like you said, at the end of the season, he really started to show these signs 
and he was getting out there. He's getting dirty because, yeah, he really had no support. So he played, did a lot of things himself. And uh, I like how he progressed because in the first couple games, he was the king of the picks and he was selling games a little bit. Yeah, um, he was. That was those were not very fun weeks. Just, you know. Right. But it's a it's a growing it's a growing process. Yeah, so yeah. like every QB goes through their uh, young QB goes through that time where the ball just ends up in the other team's hands um but uh i'm we talked about it so much i am kind of now hyped and excited to see how zach wilson does uh to outperform the other four qbs because this draft class right now looks pretty atrocious the qb draft class and uh not not impressive at all honestly and even the 2022 one isn't either to be honest yeah, well, they still have time to um, prove themselves. But I think that this class, after a year, none of them really jump off the page to me. But yeah, yeah so um, we'll step away from football after that. The uh, NHL playoffs are going on right now, so we can touch on that. I'll have you touch on that since you're a big Rangers fan. Um, game, let's... game four just ended, right? Yeah, game four was tonight. Go? This is Monday night, May 9th. Um, and the series is over, folks. You heard it here first because you heard it here first because if the New York Rangers hockey program plays how they did tonight, I don't think we should be in the playoffs for um a while and we should figure ourselves out. Um, obviously I'm over exaggerating a little bit, but that was just atrocious to watch, and it's unanimous amongst Rangers fans. It's hard wearing this shirt right now. But um, it's hard to show support. And there was nothing positive whatsoever to come out of that game. Our defense absolutely collapsed. Unfortunately, there was no Ryan Lindgren out there. Uh, there was hopes he was coming out on practice uh, ice. But, no, we got Patrick Nemeth and uh, Schneider. Those were our, our, our guys that were supposed to help Igor out. And um, – most of their goals, in my opinion, were, you know, like it's tough with deflections, but it, a guy like Igor Shesterkin, who, in my opinion, is the best goalie in the NHL, just looked absolutely horrible tonight. And uh, Sidney Crosby showed why he's one of the best playoff performers of all time. And uh, yeah, I got not much to say, folks. That was just. Absolutely atrocious. There was no defense up on the Rangers' parts. And when the puck was on the other side of the ice, the offense couldn't keep it and get a shot off. And therefore, like, we couldn't even get in the goalie's head whatsoever. Um, We can't even blame, like, the refs on this one. Like, this was just our point. This was just our poor doing. And uh, listening to Jacob Truba's interview after the game really didn't help. You know, there's not much you can say, but just, like, there's no heart, I feel like. Obviously, you're down 3-1, so it's hard to be positive. But, you know, going back, let's go back to New York, and uh, let's at least get one more game, put up some fight. I just want to put up some fight. Like, I just – we gave up 14 goals in two games. Like, I don't know. And when Georgiev goes in net, it's not a good sight. So, uh, we'll see what happens in game five. Yeah, you know – I'm I'm not the biggest NHL guy, so I'll just leave it at that. Fantastic rant. And uh, 
Yeah, I, I understand it was a tough game for Rangers and Rangers fans alike. But, you know, coming back from 3-1 has been done before, so maybe we'll see it again. Yeah, um, regardless of the Rangers, just like the NBA, almost every single series besides the Rangers and the Avalanche series is tied 2-2. So we got another exciting sports playoffs going on simultaneously. So there's a lot to look out for. What really stuck out to me was the Kings absolutely skunked the uh, Oilers 4 nothing. Uh, yesterday, Sunday, May 8th, um, the Lightning, uh, not up the series, seven, they beat the Leafs 7-3. And uh, I, one of my, I think, probably other than the like watching the Rangers, an exciting series that you guys should focus on is the Bruins and the Hurricanes. Um, because I think, in my opinion, the winner of that goes to the chip um, for the East. And uh, it's um it's an exciting series and now that it's 2-2 with uh boston winning yesterday it's um they got the momentum and uh that's going to be a great series um uh, in terms of the west you know avalanche and the predators are playing right now uh again sunday um uh, this monday may 9th um and the predators are winning right now and the avalanche just need one more to take the series so let's see how that goes again we can have another just exciting series um so a lot to look forward to besides rangers hockey um yeah yeah uh a ton of exciting playoffs going on right now and since i'm a lacrosse player i'm going to um unapologetically plug in uh the nll playoffs the national lacrosse league couple really exciting series going on right now i mentioned the five wolves and the bandits game last episode Obviously, well, not not obviously, because I'm sure all of you guys don't know, but the Firewolves did lose to the top-seeded Bandits, the Buffalo Bandits. So they're out of the playoffs. I'll be rooting for the Bandits the rest of the way, top of the league right now, and uh, the favorites, obviously. And, um, yeah, this, the San Diego Seals advanced, the uh, Toronto Rock, and the uh, Cal- – did the Calgary Roughnecks? Yeah, yeah, they did. So, yeah, I'm going to unapologetically plug that. The NL playoffs are awesome. I think I should just watch them for the names. These names are sick. Yeah, no. The San Diego Seals. Yeah. They're actually a, a, a new team. They actually just announced um, that there's going to be a new expansion team called the Las Vegas Desert Dogs. No way. It's pretty sick. In my opinion, they just ripped off water dogs. It's literally just the exact opposite thing. Desert yeah. dogs, water dogs. But uh, yeah, no, their jerseys are pretty cool. But the Water yeah, Dogs just... are the PLL. If you guys didn't know, that's another he went, oh, needs yeah. to plug the PLL. Speaking of the PLL, their college draft <laughs> is tomorrow, 8 p.m. Oh. on ESPNU. So that's pretty sick. So I'm tune definitely in. Gonna, yeah, I'm definitely gonna tune into that. We'll cover that's that awesome. for sure. We'll yeah. have a whole segment just on the draft. <laughs> I don't. Well, maybe I don't know. But uh, yeah. Oh. I'll probably mention it, but, you know, as a college lacrosse player, grow the game. Got to talk about them a little bit. Of course. Um, I'll go more in depth on the PLL when the season actually starts for them because that is my favorite league, and I could talk about that shit all day. But anyway, yeah, um, I think that's pretty much it. Gabe, do you do you have anything to add before we wrap it up? Shout out Nestor Cortez on almost a no hitter. That guy is the real Yankees ace. Sorry, Garrett Cole, move over. He will start in the All Star game and lead us to the World Series. You heard it first. I'm talking about the Yankees. Sorry, MLB. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> 
yeah, we'll see how those Yankees uh, finish the year. But anyway, um, thank you guys for tuning in. The second half of this podcast is going to be um, it's going to be me talking about um, my student athlete experience this season. So I'm just going to touch on that a little bit. Obviously, I wanted Red the Bench to be a place um, where athletes come and they listen to us talk about sports and then also for student athletes just to hear about stories and experiences and advice and all that stuff so obviously um i want to get into that so this is gonna be the first episode where we're gonna talk some student athlete talk welcome to the second half of the ride the bench episode uh i'm joined now with my teammate ryan steinhart maybe all-american goalie we'll see but um yeah we're gonna talk about our season and kind of review it a little bit i don't know about that (laughs) well well we're gonna talk about our season and kind of review it a little bit so uh stan you have any uh thoughts to start us off about the about the year so it's one word is journey it was a journey and it's it it takes a lot out of you but it also has so many positives to it and we, we had a great time yeah. yeah, always looking to build on each year and just keep going to the next level. Yeah, it was it was definitely a journey. You know, it was kind of yeah. it's kind of crazy that the season literally started in like I think like January twenty eighth was like the first day, and then our first game against Maritime yeah. sounded like so. It, it just it seems so long ago. It seems like so ridiculously long ago. But yeah, it just shows like the season was like four yeah. months. It felt so much longer, honestly. I think it's like wild that that first game we played our first game in late February against SUNY Maritime, and it sounded it it, it just sounds like so long ago, which I think just shows yeah. how much of a journey it, really it has was. been. Yeah. Um, and we got completely dogged in that game too. Yeah, no, that was that was not a fun game on on the water. Yeah, it yeah. was the, the scenery was great. Yeah, yeah, the the, the scenery was. But, yeah, and then yeah. Uh, that was maybe the only positive from it, to be honest. Yeah, but uh, uh I don't know if many people can say they got to play over a sunset like that by the Throgs yeah. Neck Bridge. Yeah, yeah, that was sick. Yeah, another another point that I wanted to talk about was like. It was so long, and I think that mentally it was hard to every single day be, like, locked in like like yeah, you should, you know? 100%. With it being so long, go, going to practice every day. Yeah. And not so much games. I could lock in for games, but, like, well, if we have, like, a game on one Saturday and then a game the next Saturday and then you got, like, five practices in between, like, it, it was so hard yeah. to, like, get the energy – Oh, like, it really is. And I don't think – I think, like, we love our coaches, but I don't know if they necessarily understand that part and, like, all the stress that we endure. Yeah. yeah. And, to, like, bring it up to that notch every day is, like, it's so tough, like, mentally, especially, like, my position. Like, yeah. Goalie. Yeah. It really is. It's – I was lit- struggling with it towards the end. Yeah, it was – I was, like – limping to the finish line both like mentally and physically honestly just because and don't not to mention that we're building building a program yeah building a program in a tough division three league 
with 20 guys like yeah it's you know it's, it's tough it's yeah it's um you know you y- you don't have a lot of guys so you got to be locked in for practice and you don't really get much time off in practice cuz there's not a ton of guys yeah so just like the toll it took on your body and you know the listeners of this podcast they know that like i'm i'm coming back from a pretty serious injury and yeah. every day it was just like wear and tear on the body so like yeah. maybe it wasn't like my knee that was hurting me, but like it caused other injuries and, and discomfort sure. in, in, the, in the rest of my body. And I yeah. know you can feel that too, just getting pelted with balls all day. Mm-hmm. Stuff kind of lingers a little bit. And it was just, yeah. you know, but yeah, it was tough. I was limping towards the finish line, but yeah. And see, I think it's even crazier for you, like you said, coming back from such a tough injury. Like you had, yeah. you had even had a great season through all that. Like it's impressive. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly, I, I didn't think that it would wear on, on me that much. Cause I don't think I've ever had a season wear on me quite that much. Like, you know, I yeah. played, high, I played high school football. Yeah. That too. I've ne- you know, I played high school football. It's a little more contact. I played high school yeah. lacrosse. Like I've had other seasons, but the, the wear and tear this took on my body this year was just oh, unreal. But it's college. Yeah. It's different, different ball game. Yeah, really. Yep. Uh, yeah, you know, but it wasn't it wasn't all negative, right? Th- there were some no. positives to it. I loved being yeah, out there with the guys, and first I think yeah, we we got our first yeah, conference know. win in program history. That was that was an unbelievable moment, and I think yeah, it, was it was it just shows like on senior night. Yeah, on senior night too, we worked yeah. so hard for that, and yeah, not we, many people can relate that yeah we we definitely earned that no doubt because about it. i think i think a, a lot of people like when they're picking a, a college to go to they just automatically like want to go into a winning program like yeah. like every single kid that went here that didn't care about the fact that it was going to be a build and like that we were going to have to go through tough times like which mm-hmm. is like cool to think about and yeah yeah yeah, everyone kind of came in here thinking, like, yeah, I want to build this up, you know? Yeah, and obviously the main reason is because they want want to go to a good school. Like, SUNY New Paltz is a great school with the low acceptance rate. And it's a good town and, like, not very, like, dangerous or anything, obviously. Yeah. So yeah. It's, a, it's a good spot to be close to Long Island, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I could definitely, like, I could tell that, like, we were, like, building – a program here and yeah. we like definitely took steps this year and yeah. although like you know we were kind of harping on the like negatives and um like the wear and tear on the bodies and all that but like i love every single one of my teammates and like i still yeah. love playing the sport you know like there might be days where yeah. i don't really feel like going to practice i don't really want to do yeah. that and i think any any student athlete can relate to that like there's some days you just really you're just not not feeling it that day yeah. and you know um, but like still being with the guys every day, like I love all my teammates and I think that, um, that's honestly like not letting them down and the fact that we were all doing it together, like really helped me just kind of like push through any of those thoughts of me not yeah. wanting to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely agree. The idea of like us being all in it together. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. 
Yeah, I want to, yeah. And, you know, we we overcame adversity the whole year. We only had three wins on the yeah. season, a bunch of canceled games. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we had a bunch of losses in a row. We got, we got coaches yelling at us every day. We're like, we're going through these hard practices. Everyone still has school and stuff and relationships yeah. to tend to. And we are we're yeah. all all twenty four of us together. We're just like bought in, just grinding it out together, which um, was honestly a pretty cool experience. Not gonna lie, yeah, experience. Because next last year we didn't experience that really. Like yeah, we did no. with practice, but we we only had six games this year. We had like how many? I think 15? I think I think we played sixteen. Yeah, something like or, that. Or fourteen, yeah. Yeah, it was definitely Triple a huge jump. Yeah. yeah. I found how how are you with managing your time this season? Um honestly, like it's definitely something I need to improve that. Like yeah. as I mature in life, like I'm I know I'm gonna need to like be better with that. Yeah. I I think that I've mm-hmm. I think that I've gotten better at it. Like deep definitely with like lacrosse like like you know like you have to get up every day and like you don't have much time to just sit down and relax and like that's the one thing with the season too like it's great we all love lacrosse but like we also have all have so many different hobbies and that's the thing during the season like we can't we don't have time to squeeze in our other hobbies besides lacrosse like yeah there's not much balance but yeah like we just went golfing before we we wouldn't be able to do that (laughs) No, no, never. And I like that's why I started this podcast after the season ended, just because I didn't think that we really had um well I didn't think I had the time to do it and I didn't have like the time or energy I wanted to put into this. You know what I mean? I, I didn't really want to half ass the podcast and it not be a good product that I'm happy with, you know. So yeah, that was definitely important. So I was well a typical day. In lacrosse, you know, let's say it's a Tuesday. You got to wake up at 7 a.m., which is not that early, but you got lift at 8, right? And then a, t- a ton of guys have a couple classes in the morning. First. Yeah, def- definitely you need to eat something. That's a huge tip. You need breakfast. As a student athlete in general, you need breakfast. And, you know, sometimes I would skip it, maybe just grab a, a cliff bar or something, but, like, you know, I really do think that that's really, really important. And, um, yeah, and then you'll have that 8 a.m. lift, and then a, a bunch of guys have, like, two classes after that, like 9, 30, 11, 12, 15 in that area. You go to class, and then you got practice from 3 to 5.30. And then after that, like, your day is pretty much done. You go home, and you just have homework you got to do. You know, so that's you that's home, a full day. You shower. Yeah. shower you eat you eat dinner and then it's eight o'clock like that yeah and you know you still have homework you gotta, you gotta do you still, you still, yeah you still gotta study so there was no time for anything and yeah. a tip um for managing your time at least that i found really successful this year was um i had a little notepad and i would write a to-do list on it every day and then as i did it i would cross it off and I found that to be really, really successful for me, at least, because I could, like, see everything I had to do and I'd have to think about it. And crossing it off was just, like, a great feeling, you know? So that's yeah, definitely, like... That works great. I do I do the same thing. But yeah. Not as consistently. But <laughs> when I do it, it does work well. It makes me... 
yeah stay focused do you have any do you have any other tips to manage your time because obviously Uh you have to have pretty good time management skills during the season you know yeah so a tip a tip i would say is like when you have like free free time like in the morning like like we'll say for like student athletes like 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 lacrosse players we don't have lift like every day of the week yeah so like the days that like i'd say like you don't have lift if you have some extra time in the morning like try to get some like assignments done so you don't have to worry yeah. about them cross it off the list and just mm-hmm. like when you have like little opportunities to get like something done like take advantage of it, you know yeah rather yeah. than like sitting on your phone yeah obviously you want to like have time to relax too so it's all just about mm-hmm. balance like life in general is all about balance yeah yeah so true yeah, yeah. i something that i find like wild is that as like we're like d3 athletes you know this isn't like the top of the top competition or like level but just like how stressful and how like how much i don't want to say like how much of a burden it is but how much of a commitment a d3 sport is like it blew my mind like i can't even imagine a d1 a d1 sport what like those athletes have to go through they they must literally have no time because I'm a D athlete and the commitment that I have to do I feel like it's insane. If I was a D one athlete, I honestly don't think I, I could handle it. Yeah. I think it's so insane. one thing I have to say about that is we're not as far off as you think. Like we are not nearly yeah. as far off as yeah. a lot of other people think. Like mm-hmm. I was talking, so I have I have a friend. Uh, he was the goalie. He was the goalie under me in my junior year, and then I didn't have a senior year because of COVID. So, mm-hmm. but um, he, he was uh my friend Damien, and he ended up playing goalie at VMI D one. And I talked to him the other day on Facetime, and I just asked him about his like daily routine, and like he goes to like a military school, so he has to do some extra like military type things like that. Yeah. But like besides that, like it's not that far off. Like he has like the same thing, like lift like three days a week, like in the mornings. And then like he, their practices are like a little longer. He said they have like three hour practices. And we like go like two hours, 30 minutes sometimes. So like, it's yeah. really not that far off. But. Yeah, honestly, like I didn't even realize that, but I think that another thing that like D1 athletes have to go to is they have a little bit more pressure on them, whether it's from, um, it might be from like scholarships if they have athletic yeah. scholarships or if they like <laughs> if they have sponsors and like nil deals for, for like sure. the really like top guys like if you're at like a distinguished program with like a bunch of like like duke lacrosse for example like those kids were like the top recruits in the country they yeah. go to duke they don't even they don't even make the playoffs this year yeah. they don't make the ncaa tournament which is wild because they're probably like the most talented group in the country so i think that they, the scholarship they, thing yeah the scholarship thing must be so hard on them which is just like yeah. i think that's something that like as a d3 athlete you don't really have to worry about it but like a d1 athlete yeah. worrying about that stuff i'm like well like private D3, time, i guess they still have to worry about it i don't i don't think they can give out athletic money in d3 at all well like they'll give out like uh 
education or oh, yeah. education money, but then yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of like you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of tied in a little bit. It's kind of like athletic money, just because yeah. like they're I don't know favorite because like they want someone to come like help them do good at their school, you know? Yeah, like we go to. But I think the, I think the pressure of a scholarship can be like potentially like dangerous for like a student because like you should never keep playing a sport like in college like if, if you truly like lost your passion for it or like yeah you're just like not in the right mindset to keep playing and like that is something that will just like make you keep doing something that makes you like essentially like miserable like, yeah yeah just like for money you know? and then and then you're like stuck there and you can't really yeah. do anything you can't that's like I mean, there's a lot of problems with like D1 athletes, like, yeah, killing themselves. It's scary. Yeah, you know, I feel like it's, like, every other week in the news, like, a different student athlete, um, they just – they can't handle it anymore. And they're yeah. in the news because they commit suicide or something like that, which is so sad. And yeah, I, and like, also whenever I see that – Yeah, you don't want to let down their teammates. And then that, that extreme pressure just so much. And just you see it more sad. and more – every day which is it's so sad every time i see it i kind of take a second and just kind of reflect and like think about them because like so so many people go through that and you don't even see yeah. it so it's just yeah. it's it's absolutely wild it is wild yeah do you have um anything else you want to add about the season or time management or um, anything else like that i would say like a tip to like help performance in games is like mm-hmm. One of the biggest things I took out of the season was like, don't treat it like a job and like keep the same passion for it, like that you would normally have, just like having fun, like in your backyard. Like, yeah. obviously, like you have to turn up your energy and like, and like make sure that you're like, like locked in for a game. But like, that doesn't mean don't have fun. Like, you need to like balance your gameplay too. Like, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, I would I would honestly kind of do that sometimes where I would um I would go into a practice or like something I just I wouldn't treat it like fun. I just kind of forget about the fun aspect and I would think like all right, I got to do this now. And uh I'm going to work on that next season and I think it'll be a little bit better when my body's a little bit healthier. But yeah, yeah that was definitely not um that's definitely something that I personally need to work yeah. on. But yeah. yeah, I mean, a lot of people do, and it's really tough to like, because like, if something doesn't go your way, it's not easy to just shake it off. But like, that's the yeah. best thing you can do to set yourself up for the next like play. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we um, yeah, you gotta you gotta stay locked in, and like, yeah. you gotta kind of not worry about the job aspect of it. You're you're yeah, totally right. Definitely. Yeah. Um. I think that's it, Stein. Is there anything else you want to yeah. add? Or I think I, that's all. Yeah, I think we hit on a bunch of really good yeah. points. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. This was our first real episode where we talked, like, student-athlete stuff. Stein, I'm sure we'll have you on again. But, for, sure. Uh, for sure. Thanks. Thank you. Th- thanks for coming yeah. on and giving some insight. But, uh, yeah, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. If you got any questions, you know. DM me on Instagram or whatever if you got any tips or anything like that. And uh, yeah, Stein, anything to add? Uh, no, that's all. Thank you. All right. Thank you guys for listening. I'll see you in the next episode. Yeah.